Welcome to the Get Fit AF with Angie Fraser podcast, a fitness channel with a difference. We aim to challenge traditional views on fitness and what it means to be fit AF. We cover real questions from real people, including my clients and friends, chat with inspiring and passionate people, and maybe the odd rant along the way. Join us to get fit AF without the bullshit. to Stacey Gerace, who's joining us today for part two of our talk on child and family nutrition today. Um, Stacey is a Mac Nutrition Uni graduate um, as well. And we connected on the Mac Nutrition group in regards to this topic as I was approached by people in my community about writing a nutrition plan for their children under the NDIS. It's not something that I've looked into myself. So I put the question out on our group and am going to speak to Stacey about that today. So Stacey, if you'd like to introduce yourself um, and how you how um, you came about becoming a nutritionist? Absolutely. Hello, firstly, and thank you for having me um, on today to discuss things with yourself, Angie. I really appreciate you reaching out. Um, it's been quite a really um, fun exercise to uh, communicate with yourself, communicate with Jeff, and yeah, just get ourselves a bit more, I guess, across what's coming forth for us. So basically, my journey into nutrition began a little while ago, probably about seven years and beyond, possibly. I've always had a keen interest in nutrition. Um, might be a little bit of an anatomy geek, possibly, but I was always very interested to know what food was doing within the body. So about seven years ago, I started a Bachelor of Health Science. So I did that at Deakin University and I majored in nutrition and exercise science at the time um, with hopes to getting into dietetics because ideally I wanted to work with children. I wanted to hopefully implement and educate um, those habits that were of the better kind, I guess, and the more nutritious option habits and things like that at an earlier age. That was something that I was very keen to do. Um, however, I had a few little things pop up along the way, such as beginning my family, um, starting yeah. a business, starting my own business. So I had to uh, defer constantly and it came to a point where I just needed to halt that point in my life. Yeah. Um, enter, I think even a couple of years ago, I started following Martin McDonald on yeah. Instagram because I was always still keeping abreast of the research like just reading articles and very keen interested in that area um, and then Martin came to Melbourne he came to Australia so I decided to go to his talk and that was really um, beneficial for me because it gave oh, absolutely idea, yeah of, of joining his course so yeah long story short that's sort of how I found to come across Mac Uni because of Martin and um yeah, I've, I've loved the whole journey of um, going through the process. I actually was pregnant with my third as I studied. I, <laughs> I, I had Marlon, who's my baby. I had him last April. So I was oh. still going through the course. And as we know, COVID last year, I was um, studying, homeschooling, had a newborn and yeah, graduated in November. So I was very, wow. very, very happy with my 2020, although it being a hard year for many, 
um, you know, us included for our business, but there were some, some perks to it as well. Great. Yeah, you can take something positive away from that. That's great. Um, Absolutely. I'm interested to know how did you find the Mac Nutrition course to do with your previous study background? Because I had no background in that area just as a personal trainer and as you might know in Australia those qualifications are quite they don't touch on um, the nutrition side of things in any way close to what Mac Nutrition does and we are not supposed to provide nutrition advice as personal trainers but I realized that it was such a huge part of working with clients that um, I knew I had to study further and I found the course probably the most challenging course I've ever done and I've done um, first year university in sociology so having to write essays and everything but um, math nutrition was very very challenging for me how did you find it yeah it's it's a bit of a different um, spin on things isn't it being able to sort of self-pace your learning where I mean we did have deadlines as such but and you didn't want to fall behind oh yeah it was all based on what I guess the effort that you would put into it too, which meant that it did require you to implement time. And yes. um, personally, I found it a, a really great course. And as you're saying, coming from university, I think with university, you're kind of put into a situation where it's it's a lot to take on. There's You could do about six units, you know, through the semester or the trimester through Deakin. And it was it's a lot to take on. Um, where this was a little bit um, of a pullback in a sense because it was one lecture, sometimes two per week. And this was something that I felt comfortable that I could keep on top of. Um, Content-wise, MacUni was amazing. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like um, I did cover certain aspects through Deakin um, and through the units because I started, I majored rather in nutrition. So there were areas that were coming up. Um, but I think we just delved into it that little bit further through MacUni and we're able to focus on certain things that I guess as Martin was saying to us, this is information we need to give to clients as nutritionists. I think with the units that I did through the nutrition uh, component of the um, Bachelor in Health Science, probably delved into um, areas which probably wasn't, I guess, associated or needed for clients, working with clients as such. It took Absolutely. Yeah, where I think yeah. we just kept it really um, for where we want to go and the knowledge that we require. Yeah, I was really happy with how um, easy it is to apply the content. Like I found the exam exams difficult, yeah. um, but I was I've been really pleased with how easy it's been to apply um, the practical concepts for clients and get them results as well. Um, I really wasn't confident that I would. Um, if I was to do a qualification in Australia, that it would be to that standard. I'm really, really pleased that I did that. And we've um, caught up on the group. So yeah. um, with, uh, so you mentioned that you want to work with um, kids and families so you can get into that early intervention. You've always been interested in that. And I think that's a fantastic point because me personally working with adults to manage their weight um, later on in life, I'm still gobsmacked at, I mean, and what I didn't know as well, the basic information that um, people need to be able to manage a healthy weight ongoing and also have the ability to decide how they're going to do that themselves, knowing um, the basic facts, but we're not taught this in school as such. Um, and I think that, yeah, 
people like yourself who want to work with kids um, early on in the piece, that's um, really fantastic. So can you tell me a little bit about um, your experience working with kids and families on nutrition so far? Yeah, absolutely. And I agree with you um, in what you're saying. There's just that whole component of education. And that's something that is definitely what I try and I strive for with um, my clients, whether working with adults or children. Um, and like yourself, working with adults and, and hearing all these things that they're telling you that are possibly myths or things that they were told when they were younger and we've just got the knowledge from MNU to, you know, siphon all that, break it all down and, um, you know, as I said, educate. And that's really the direction that I head with, um, with my parents, I guess, and the children. But one thing I like to do as well is to, if the child is of, say, a teen age, I like to involve them within this process too. You know, instead of speaking of, you know, about the child in front of them, I always like to incorporate them within the conversation, you know, and ask them how they're really feeling, how, you know, how something's impacting them, whether they do like this sort of food or not, or mum and dad are definitely always there. But I think it's nice to also include the child to give them some autonomy as well. Um, Absolutely. With, yeah, if we're dealing yeah. with children that are, you know, quite young and I've had... Um, sort of five-year-olds and below who have come through. That's something that I talk to mum and dad about, of course. And um, But I still don't remove them completely from the scenarios in a sense. So I sort of say to them, get them in the kitchen with you. Get them cooking with you. Get them around foods, especially if you're looking at sort of um, plain eating or fussy eaters. You know, get them cooking with you. Get them to come to the supermarket with you and actually pick and choose fruits and vegetables, grains, you know, asking them what they would like to cook. One particular family I was working with decided that they would sit down because this is something they weren't doing and we can discuss that later, but sitting down as a family and actually talking about the foods that they were eating. Yes. And I was sort of saying to them, it, it, and that's where we can educate the kids too. So what can you see in your meal? You know, can you see your carrots or something? You know, can you see the peas that we've added? You know, what's what colours are you seeing? What's coming through your meal? And that's sort of a good education component as well. Um, and I feel that that seemed to work quite well with that family. And now they're discussing on what meals they're going to make for the rest of the week, writing it down on a board and just doing those things. And I think that, you know, sometimes we need to look at those little wins to create the big wins of whatever goals mum and dad are trying to achieve for that child. Because like adults, they're very individualised. You know, people are coming to us with goals for their children or even themselves. And I think sometimes that when you do work with parents and kids, the parents are also learning and adapting their diet slightly too and their lifestyles slightly shifting and changing to mirror what the um, advice is for the child. Absolutely. Uh, you mentioned talking about shopping together and, and meal planning and one of my most um, successful resources that I've created for my clients, my adult clients recently in terms of fat loss is creating a shopping list that lays out the foods that you'll put together for fat loss meals. And that is something that my adult clients are asking for a lot. So I put that together based on how I would shop and meal prep. And um, I'm getting really good feedback on it. Like, oh my God, I love how you laid that out. It's so simple. Um, so that's a really good point involving them in the process Definitely. and talking about the different food groups in terms of you know your variety of vegetables and you mentioned your grains you know protein sources is a big one I'm coming across a lot of adults who don't 
who lack this understanding or think that they do or mm. think that it's complicated and it doesn't have to be at all. Yeah. And that sort of, sorry to interrupt, that filters down to the children too because the parents still to a degree have to do the grocery shopping, you know, and I feel that um, sometimes parents think that the children might not like a vegetable or a fruit or a grain or a protein but I think that's something that they need to just get and try. I always say to my parents, like, we don't know if they don't like it, if they haven't tried it. They haven't yes. given it a go to, to say yes or no. And then a lot of them are like, oh, no, I don't think they will. They've never tasted it, though. So in my head, I sort of, oh, I try to encourage them to just go for it. What's the worst that's going to happen? The child isn't going to eat it. You know, mm. but then there's another um, approach that we need to think about and consider that we need to also reintroduce foods. So one or two yes. or three, three serves and this particular food, and you're like, nah, nah, they don't enjoy it. Well, we actually know, and evidence shows that we need some between 20 and 30 exposures of foods. So we need to be patient, a little bit persistent, and it can get a bit frustrating from time to time, but I always try to tell my parents, don't throw the towel in too early. Just keep it going and try not to take it personal. Um, yeah. You know, and eventually, like I know with my own daughter, I exposed her to, say, raw capsicum. I swear it would have been about 25 to 30 times until she actually picked it up and looked at it. And that's yes. what she did, you know. And then yeah. she kept going until she actually put it in her mouth and tasted it. And believe it or not, it was a, it's a favourite of hers now. So, yeah, I think um, tastes change over time and you're absolutely right. Um my husband had not eaten capsicum uh, when we first started going wow. out. We moved out together and yep. I started including it in food. And look, to be fair, my mum used to put um, certain vegetables in our meals that I would be gagging on as a kid. But I eat them now and um, I was really shocked. My husband didn't eat capsicum, so I started exposing him to it. And then suddenly he loved it and he put it in everything to the point I had to say to him, can you please stop? We don't need that much capsicum. She's extreme. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. And that can definitely happen with children too. And, and you might find with kids that they're interested in the food one day and then they're just not even going to touch it the next, you know, and that's where um, the variety and changing up what you sort of provide for the children as well is quite important and, and setting that sort of standard for them that there is going to be a variety of foods you you take what you like you enjoy what you like and you don't have to finish your plates and, and that sort of thing. yeah I think Jeff touched on that like providing varieties without um attaching emotion to whether or not they eat it yes. um and I think that's something that we can do as parents is take it really personally when we've prepared a meal and the kids are just like no nah. Yes. <laughs> Angie you're speaking to a European I'm Italian and if we we find that food is almost like connected to our hearts and if you don't if you don't eat that food or you leave that food it like breaks our hearts slightly you know oh. that sort of thing you know food is definitely such a big component of us our family and our food but you know even myself as a child we're always told you know finish your plate don't leave yes. the table until you finish that and these are things that um we, we know over time are just not the best approach for, for certain children probably you know, got to be really careful with your language around the dinner table and all that sort of thing in regards mm. to being that sort of forceful parent in a sense. 
Well, I have to admit that I really dislike food wastage to the point I will eat things out of the fridge that my husband is just going, that has been in there for a week. And I'm like, it's fine. I've probably got an iron gut from it just because I hate throwing out food. So I can see how some people might feel about that from a financial perspective or, you know, I just kind of even think the the little thoughts that go on in my head are, oh my God, you know, we have so much food. There's other people in the world that don't have this amount of choice or this amount of food, like, um, so yeah. And that's the kind of things that my mum used to say to me. Totally understandable. (laughs) And what I find too, in that instance, if that does occur, we can always pop those foods into the fridge and serve that later on in the day as well. Um, So you can almost marry up what was had for lunch if it's not completed and you feel like that's a lot of food wastage. Implement Mm. it into the dinner time because I'd say, and I don't know if you agree, but, you know, most of the time it's probably vegetables that are left on plates. So those veggies Mm. can sort of tie over into dinner meals and things like that if they're sort of prepping and knowing they're going to do some rice with veggies and they can grate those in or or try not to, you know, as a food wastage is such a hard thing because um, you're right, financially, you've got to think about those things as well. But if we mm. can try to tide them over and um, implement them into the next meal or the next day, I know I used to do that with my daughter as well. Like what she didn't touch, I kept that, you know, as best as it mm. could. And yeah. I, and I presented it to her the next day. But it's linking in your serving sides and what sizes and what you're offering into exactly. appetite as well. So I think we can overestimate maybe as adults how much a child is going to want to eat. And Jeff mentioned um, teaching children to listen to their appetite signals as well, which is really important, I think. Yeah, and we can always add more food to their plate. You know, so you can almost start off with yourself giving, you know, a little bit of an estimate. Oh, I think I might eat this much. And then a couple of days in, you probably gather how much they will eat because you're going to let them just decide on what they want. Mm. And look, some days are going to be touch and go because they're going to eat more some days and not others. And that's also going to appetite regulation as well. Um, in saying that, though, if they do complete a meal and ask for more, then we know that we can do that. Whether if, you know, if you're overfilling the plate, and then you're going to get that disheartened snowball effect, food wastage and all that's going to come you know, down to that where if we just provide you know, a guesstimation where you feel like, yeah, they'll finish that, they might even ask for more. And um, exactly right in what you were saying there, portion sizes. Yeah, and in terms of working with um, clients that might be under NDIS funding, have you worked with children with particular food aversions or they will only eat, you know, maybe one type of food or very small amounts? Yeah, yeah. So the children that I've actually had and I'm working with all do have some some form of food aversion whether it's very um I guess sounds a bit hard to say but plain or or just diets that are pretty much white bread jam yes not a lot of um sort of variety in there with fruits and vegetables and they're the ones where I've given the little tasks where they can go into the supermarket and they can decide on which new fruit or vegetable they'd like to try and the idea is I'm getting a little bit more buy-in in a sense because they're actually taking on that exercise, which is phenomenal. You know, that's a mm-hmm. great step forward because it means they're actually willing to try something different, which is really handy. Um, so that's one kind of aspect that I do try to utilise in involving them and incorporating them in. And the other, the other um, child that I worked with, which the mum said was very fussy, However, it's just happened to work out that whatever he's been presented with, he's eaten. 
So I think the mindset was the mum was kind of thinking or the parents or the caregivers were thinking that he wasn't going to eat that without presenting it to him. Where oh, yes. So once just they'd assuming. given it to him, yeah, they were assuming that he wouldn't eat it. And he's polishing off, you know, bolognese pasta sauces with yeah. you know, some vegetables in there. He's pointing out vegetables. So I think he just wasn't given the autonomy or the chance to prove that he was going to, to like those certain foods. Oh, that's a massive win. And I yeah, guess that I was really happy up. with that. Yeah, to the next point I wanted to make about um, the role of the family and environment in forming those better eating habits. So we've already sort of touched on that in saying that um, parents can make assumptions, um, you know, what kind of foods are available to the child. Is that um, determining their level of fussiness to a degree? Yeah, possibly. And I mean, not to... I mean, I think we've all been here before if we don't eat every as a parent and as a caregiver and the person who's in charge of the creating the meal, you know, if we don't avoid certain foods because in our mind we didn't really like the taste or the texture mm. of it, where I think we need to almost allow ourselves to try that again too. Yeah. I mean, again, what's the worst? We're just not going to like it. The worst thing that's going to happen is it's not going to be a favourite of the family. Um, but I think educating the parent across the board and as we've spoken about in regards to fruits, vegetables, what, what actual protein, what's protein sources, what are they? What's mm. carbohydrate sources? What are fat sources? Um, I've just dealt with a mum who's wanted to know that knowledge because she has an idea, but she's not completely convinced that she knows all of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And where to find them and, and, and how to utilise them within her meals. Um, and these are some things I do as well, just some meal suggestions for, for parents too and incorporating a bit more of a variety. Um, which is like yourself with your shopping list has been something that I've gotten some good feedback on for people going, I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Why not I, why not I create my own pizzas and I do kids can pick and choose and that's getting the kids involved again and they can create their own pizza toppings, you know, and you'll yeah. find kids will reach for spinach because they see that. They'll reach for, you know, other capsicum and mushrooms because that's what's on a pizza. Um, yeah. It's not so difficult to get them to eat that then. Um, but also in regards to parents is, is kind of like, I think Jeff spoke about this possibly with yourself, is kind of having the role of presenting the food and the environment. So creating the correct environment for them, um, which is something that he's Elaine Satter. There's an Elaine Satter method that we've sort of run through, which is a division of responsibility. Yeah. So, yeah, it separates, yeah, it separates yeah. the roles of, of caregiver or parent and child so ideally the parents they create the meal so that they've got the what so they put the meal forward and we want to also make sure that parents are um, caring in that meal but they're not catering either because you've got to be really careful there as well if um, we start to cater meals and it starts to just put a bit of confusion across I think oh. Does that mean making different meals for different yeah. family members based on their likes and dislikes? Yeah, yeah correct. Yeah. Sorry. I, I think that's a big concern. Even with my um, adults doing fat loss, um, particularly women, oh, no, my family, I don't want to eat separate to my family. And, you know, I'm sort of coaching them around, well, you don't actually have mm. to. Mm. Um, yeah, so. Definitely. And that's something that. You know, we do want to be um, have the approach where we still are thinking about the foods that the child enjoys because we want to kind of keep them eating, 
but we want to create the variety too. So what we kind of can do there is put in their foods that they recognize, their safe foods, but also add some new foods to that as well. And so they see their safe foods as such, and they can start to incorporate that variety too. So that's why we sort of talk about try not to cater too much to, to the child or else you'll have six meals on the go. Yes. And then that's going to then be expected every single meal. Yeah. And that becomes really stressful on the parent as well. Yeah. So time consuming. And yeah. again, going back to finances, it can become, you know, an expense where you're purchasing lots of different foods where you can create one meal for the family to enjoy. Um, so that's the what. The where is the environment that you create. So ideally, we would love parents to be eating with their child in a distraction-free environment, I want to say. Yeah. So making sure there's no distractions for them um, and allowing, I guess, family to chat and discuss things and just make memories, I guess, around their food as well. Um, so that's something too that family members can be um, aware of and the when as well. So we're also in charge of the meal timing and when meals will be served. Ah, yeah, parents are in charge of that. And um, I think it's important to promote that notion that uh, mealtime is a family thing, so a group-based thing, so it's not directed by the individual, anyone there, um, and it's a cooperative thing, I suppose. Absolutely. Yeah. I had a family where I... I just needed to sort of put out there that the mealtimes eating together was quite important because what was happening was the children were eating at one time and then the, the parents were eating at a separate time. And that was creating an environment where the kids were kind of separated from that, mm. from their parents and, and watching them eat because I feel like when we eat all together too, children are watching us eat. Yes. They're also learning how to eat, if yes. that makes sense. Yes. They're also learning how to behave at the table too. Yep. So there's a few things going on for that child. And it sounds so funny, but as adults, we do need to learn how to eat and also the correct behaviour to have when we are at the dinner table and we are eating. So parents do sort of expect an appropriate behaviour as well. Yeah. Um, and then that gives the child the opportunity to decide whether, you know, whether they eat or, and how much, you know, of that food they're consuming. But as I said, they still need to be, I guess, behaving in a manner that's appropriate for the table because that then won't cause any anxiety for the parents, especially if you want to take your children out to restaurants and things. Oh, absolutely. You know, you want to be yeah. able to enjoy that without the stress that goes with it. Yes. Yeah, I think it's really important to be able to take your children out. My kids love eating out with us and they've been doing it since they were little without iPads. Um, obviously that was stressful at particular times, but now that they're older, they um, really enjoy it and they enjoy sitting there speaking to us, waiting for their meal and just trying different things as well. Um, so it's worth a little bit of a headache sometimes, I think. Oh, definitely. I think, yeah. that's a great, I think that's great to involve the children in that, I, you know, also giving them that um, independence to, to choose what they want to eat when they go out. That's exciting. Mm, except when they want to choose adult-sized meals all the time now. It gets a bit <laughs> oh, expensive. Yeah. <laughs> they're growing. Yeah. They're growing. So I think you've covered really well how families and particularly adults can support the process of change and improving those nutrition habits for these kids. Um, how I'd love to know how are you working with people at the moment or if people would like to work with you, how can they um, get in touch with you? Yeah, of course. So um, 
I run my own business and we're very lucky. We have a home-based clinic. So I run that with my husband, who's a remedial massage therapist, and I'm now introducing the nutrition component of the business. So that's something that I can do in clinic. So people can come in and see me or else we can also work online together, whatever is the easiest option, because um, sometimes it is a lot easier to do, say, a Zoom session for people. I'm very um, conscious of people's time if they have, you know, busy, we all do, busy lives, lots of Mm -hmm. um, commitments, children's sports and commitments and all that. So definitely also do online, um, you know, consultations as well beautiful and you're enjoying it obviously and really passionate I am am. I'll I'll pop the links to your um, sites um, and social media into the notes and thank you so much for coming on today Stacey it's been lovely chatting with you my absolute pleasure and I really do appreciate um, you reaching out again thanks thank you